0: Today's the day. Arnie Sorensen, President CEO of Marriott. We're gonna check in on Arnie's health and get a quick update. Spoiler alert, he looks great, he sounds great. We're gonna find out what he's seeing in China and how that might foreshadow with what happens in the US. And we're gonna find out what it's like to run a global hospitality company during a global pandemic. Thanks for joining. Hey Arnie, uh, thanks for joining me on Teague Talks. Thank you, thank you for coming. I'm uh, really glad we get to talk today. A lot of people have asked, can we talk to Arnie Sorensen? So thank you for joining me.
1: Glad to be with you, T. Good to see you.
0: You're looking great. You got a full head of hair. Last time Thanks. I saw you, I was a bald Arnie.
1: Yeah, that's right. I started this pandemic bald, uh, and now I've got hair. So how about that? We're making at least progress in some areas, if not others.
0: Yeah, you're personifying how we're all feeling now. Maybe we're feeling better.
1: You're taking yeah. the lead. Exactly. I That's,
0: did. You did your video to the Associates, which I saw. It was bald Arnie. It was brave of you to do it, and it was a brilliant video. So, cheers to you.
1: Well, thanks. Thanks very much. Of course, it it seems in some respects like yesterday, and in some respects like uh, years ago, in a way. But uh, that video, I think, went out probably around the middle of March, uh, just as the pandemic was rolling across the country. Uh, and across the globe to some extent, uh, and uh, felt like there was no substitute for getting out there and talking to our team around the world.
0: Uh, good for you. You needed to do it. But sorry, let me not skip over. You're healthy. We want to know about you. You're healthy. You're feeling good. You're solid. You're going to be our fearless leader for a long time.
1: Well, I sure hope so. The uh, I feel good. Uh, I'm through all of my scheduled treatments, uh, which is great. Uh, and now, like many uh, cancer uh, patients or cancer survivors, I'm uh, slipping into a a, uh, a, a stage of monitoring what's happening, and I'm just grateful to be in that stage.
0: Well, we're grateful for you. Our thoughts and prayers go to you and the family. Thank you. Thank you. So stay strong, please, for all of us. Uh, all right, so give me, let's, I mean, tell me, what is it like running a global hospitality company during a global pandemic?
1: Well, it has been uh, sort of an unimaginable uh, crisis. Uh, And, you know, I'm sure you've heard this uh, and and know this from your own experience with the industry. But, uh, you know, I've been around Marriott now for 24 years, I guess, got there in 1996, uh, but but was a lawyer before that and represented Marriott in the early 90s during the first Gulf War. So uh, sort of watched from the outside uh, that crisis uh, got to Marriott in time for the the uh, 2001 crisis, which was both the tech bubble bursting in early 2001, and then, of course, 9-11, and then, of course, was here during the Great Recession. And uh, we thought, both in the context of 9-11 and the Great Recession, that we would never see business conditions as bad again. Uh, remember, the business conditions, the worst quarter in the Great Recession was minus 25% bar growth.
0: And dare I ask, where are we now?
1: Well, I mean, the, the, uh, we're probably running minus 60 to 70 broadly, depending on the part of the world. Uh, so we're the you know, second or maybe third quarter now of this crisis, and it's two times as bad still, still. Uh, than, than the worst quarter we had before. Uh, and uh, you know, on the other side of that, each week gets a little bit better than the last week. Uh, And, you know, I think what we're seeing is human nature in the first instance uh, that basically gets used to, in a way, the pandemic and living with the pandemic. And we are increasingly saying, I've got to get out and do something. I've got to get out and go to eat. I've got to go out and take a walk. I'm going to go take a drive. I'm going to take a vacation. Um, We're doing that for ourselves personally. We're probably not doing that for work, travel or for uh, for our employers, necessarily, but but first things first, right? And so, uh, we're we're getting a little bit uh, more used to that, and as a consequence, things are getting a little bit better, and they're likely to keep getting better.
0: Yeah, uh, they have to, right? Again, human spirit. Let's keep pulling for that. That's right. So so back me up though, because right? I think this is fascinating. You you had great visibility in the globe on this on this thing. So tell me, talk to me through what I will call the COVID timeline, at least your COVID timeline. Yep. When did yeah. you find out about it? What was your reaction to it? How long did you think it would last?
1: Well, of course, we found out about it in January. Um, the, uh, we've got a big business in China. We probably had uh, 350 hotels open and operating before the pandemic hit. Uh, by the last week in January, China had shut down, uh, and our business had declined in excess of 90%. Uh hundred of those 350 hotels closed, uh, and the balance basically empty. Um, a few of them were housing first responders in Wuhan and other places, but by and large, uh, the country was in one fell swoop shutdown. Uh, and uh, we knew then, and I, I've got some uh, sort of coincidentally, not work-related, but have some uh, friends who are extraordinary experts in pandemics uh, and who are you know quite visible in the conversation around COVID-19. Uh, but talking uh, with those friends early in the crisis uh, was advised that this thing would be global. Um, uh, my optimism was such that I probably didn't listen to it uh, quite as much as I should have. Uh, but, but it was clear by the time um, I know our board was together in the second week of February, maybe something like that. And uh, I raised with the board uh, COVID-19 and the risk that it would uh, spread around the rest of the world Uh, and just said, stay tuned for this. We'll have to watch it. I don't know how how well you remember, but there was an awful weekend in late February where uh, it it, uh, goes from China to South Korea, Iran and Italy, three countries, Uh, obviously very different parts of the world. Uh, But that was the weekend that I think the bells started ringing uh, with, with in effect, proof that this was going to be global. Uh, And then, of course, we all watched the next few weeks happen. And by the middle of March, that minus 90 percent business condition that we saw in China late January becomes global.
0: So what maybe I should ask in hindsight, what would you have done differently?
1: Well, I'm not sure there's much that could have been done differently. Um, Maybe, you know, if it had been certain, we would have planned a little bit more for what steps we were going to take in the United States. Uh, But this, you know, this is partly, you know, it's one of the challenges of being in a public company. uh, And to some extent, one of the challenges in in, um, uh, trying to anticipate things, right? You know, imagine we had gone out at the first of February and said, experts tell us this will be a U.S. uh, or global crisis as well. I think a lot of people would have looked at us cross-eyed and said, you know, what on earth are you talking about? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, so, so we, we were, of course, deeply engaged in China in what was going on, uh, talking with the team there uh, sort of constantly. And it wasn't as if we weren't learning from what was happening there in January and February. Um, so I'm not sure there's much different that we could have done.
0: I think, all right, just listen, next time, between you and me as friends, when you hear there's a global pandemic coming, just give me a call, your good friend, Teague, You know, yes. I'm going to tell your board of directors. I may or may not tell anybody. Yeah, but a little man, phone to a friend would be great. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. So uh, so what are you learning from the, from the rest of the country right now that you think is gonna, you, the, can help
1: the U.S.? I mean, well, China's so, so the uh, I think that I think the China and the U.S. contrast is a very interesting one. Yes. Uh, and, and we should start with a recognition that China and the U.S. are both domestic travel markets, fundamentally. Um, you know, before the pandemic, we estimated that only about 4 to 5% of all U.S. hotel stays included international travelers. 4 to 5%. That includes Canada and Mexico, by the way. So that's not just long-haul European and Asia travel. That is any international visitation. I don't have the same stats for China, but I would think they're roughly comparable, uh, that the bulk of China hotel stays uh, is going to be Chinese travelers. And so both countries, when you think about our industry, have an enormous advantage, which is that they can rebuild without being dependent on this long-haul international travel, which is going to be slow in coming back. Um, The difference in response, though, is interesting because China is a a centralized uh, governance system uh, with a central government that has all power. Uh, They exercised that power in January to shut down the country. Uh, Everybody is required to stay home. Uh, They managed basically to put the virus behind them. Uh, And so as we speak now, the the, uh, we're in early October, I think our September occupancy numbers for the country of China were a bit higher than September of 2019. That's not RevPAR. that's occupancy. Now, uh, that is uh, driven by two things. One is they are by and large back, business travel, meetings, leisure travel. The second is they're not going out, out abroad, right? So uh, last year, Chinese for vacation would go to Thailand or Europe or to the United States. And those trips are not happening. So they've been replaced with domestic travel, which gives them a, a bit of a tailwind that they, they, they didn't have otherwise. But you can see already that they're returning to normal. We have uh, uh, predicted that we might well see REVPAR next year in China back to 2019 levels Uh, And so that that is a stark contrast to the United States where we're still running down, you know, as an industry, 50 percent, 50 to 60 percent from 2019 levels. If you look at the higher ends of the business where we tend to be right uh, group hotels, luxury, uh, full service hotels and uh, the higher end of upper scale as opposed to mid scale. Uh, Those numbers are probably more in the 60 to 70% range down year over year. And so we got a long way to go. And, you know, to be fair, I don't think we can say the virus is behind us. Uh, It's still very much present. We have uh, 40 to 45 new cases, 40 to 45,000 new cases a day. Uh, And, uh, you know, in the teeth of the crisis in April, when we thought the world was falling apart, we were less than 30,000 new cases a day so you you can see that this is not not really behind us
0: so, no, not a chance so what do we what do we do
1: well i mean we we uh we hope for a vaccine for one yeah. thing. Uh, and uh we get through a few more seasons of this uh, but uh you know one of the challenges i we talk about leisure travel obviously a little bit, and that is what it is and and we will see. Each of us, I think, collectively, on average, as consumers, do a little bit more. Not bounce back quickly, but but a little bit uh, better every week. But one of the big challenges we face as an industry is that the big employers are not back to work. Right. Uh, and because they're not back to work, uh, they are not traveling. Uh, and they, re- they remain remote. Uh, they are... Um, you know, telling their people to stay remote. Uh, And so why would you get on the road to go see your business partner or your client if they're not in the office? Uh, And so uh, one of the things I think we've got to do as an industry is make sure that our voice is heard, Uh, not to advocate behavior, which isn't safe, obviously, because we want people to be safe, but to say, we've got to start to take steps uh, to get back to going to the office. You're in the office, which is a good thing. I'm going in every, every uh, couple of weeks or so, and we will be encouraging more and more of our people to get back in the office here. We've been open since uh, first part of July. We want to basically in the, in, in, in these weeks now say to folks broadly, you're welcome to come back to the office. We won't necessarily mandate them to come back to the office. That probably needs to follow until it's a little bit safer. But let's start to get people uh, coming back to the office so that they can get back on the road too.
0: Yeah, we need it. Um, We're seeing, again, I I agree that leisure travel is first. We've seen that here in the US. We need the business traveler to come back, which you just talked about. And then finally, when is conventions coming back? Yeah. Yeah. And are they back in China right now? Because that's impressive.
1: Yeah, they are. Uh, group business is back. It's, it's probably not quite at the levels it was at in 2019, but it's, it's moving quickly uh, and, uh, and, and coming back. I think in the U.S., you know, we've had some meetings. They tend to be, high, we call them hybrid meetings now. So, so we'll have a group of folks that's probably a bit smaller than we would have had before the pandemic in person uh, with then additional folks that are uh, connected through digital channels of one way or another. Uh, and we're, we and, of course, our, our peers in the industry are doing what we can to, to make those groups as safe as they can be. And that includes less density in the meeting rooms. It includes different approaches to food and beverage. It will increasingly uh, include some testing before people arrive uh, to make sure that, that you're dealing with that mask wearing and those sorts of things. And, and as a consequence, I think we'll see that improve as well. But uh, for the biggest meetings, uh, people I think are gonna wanna have a sense that the virus is really behind us. Uh, and that, that will be either driven by the fact that this virus will have made its own course and will be fading. Think about after the third uh, season, right? Last spring, this fall, maybe next spring, maybe we'll start to see this thing fade a little bit uh, more. Hopefully, probably would be a vaccine. Uh, And if we can get the vaccine out there sometime in the first or second quarter of next year, uh, starting to be administered, right, and and, uh, impacting folks, I think we could then start to see folks at least initially booking meetings. It takes a little while for the convention business to actually show up in hotels. Uh, But once they start booking, we will see some meetings that are relatively near term and, and that should build hopefully sometime in 2021, but we'll see.
0: We're, uh, we may be the first ones. We opened registration for our Hunter Conference in March. Uh, we just opened registration yesterday. We already yeah. have 30-something uh, registrants. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we're becoming experts on safety and virtual conference. We're going to do a dual conference, as everyone's trying to do today. Uh, yeah. It's new norms, but golly, already, I think we've got to do it. Somebody's got to go first, head down, let's try and do it as safely as we can. And yeah. I can tell you, our industry wants to do it. Uh, they want to be out there. We've got to all be leaders at some point. Yeah.
1: So, That's right. Have- I, you know, and I, I think there, there is there could be a silver lining in this long term. it will be interesting to see what you get in terms of your signups. But a number of uh, conferences I've spoken at in this kind of format, right? Uh, this this sort of virtual format they've had many times as many participants as they had pre-COVID-19. Uh, because there's, uh, the cost is different, Uh, the time commitment is different, there's no travel associated with it. And there, you know, a number of these folks, and and it'll be interesting for the Hunter Conference whether you see the same thing, uh, there is a path towards a bigger meeting uh, post uh, COVID-19 where folks have been exposed to you because of a digital format. Uh, And not only that, where you then get some sort of hybrid model, where you say we're going to take back roughly the number of folks we've had before, but we're going to expand our audience by, uh, uh, you know, patching some in through digital channels and stay connected to them, which gives gives you another group to market to and invite and hopefully welcome in person uh, in the years ahead.
0: We're hearing that a lot from the digital people. So who knows? Fingers crossed. Any things, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, all right, so give me some other fundamental changes in our industry that you think are either short-term or will be here for the long-term.
1: Well, so so at the moment, obviously, we've talked about this, but you've got the mix shift, right, towards leisure and away from uh, business travel and uh, meetings. And, and, and that will start to temper, but it's going to be a little bit s- uh, slow. And so I think we and many of our uh, competitors in the industry are uh, seeing folks that are uh, new to us, uh, you know, probably relatively infrequent travelers who are out there experiencing their drive vacations and, and uh, you know, tr- trying to get out of their homes. Um, I think the, uh, on the operating side, uh, in the near term, including right now, of course, we've got lots of cleaning protocols. We can spend as much time talking about that as you'd like, but but it's you know in some respects it's old news, right? It's been out there for a few months, right? Uh, Not much longer than that. But you know that's uh, social distancing and mask wearing and and uh, somewhat different approach to food and beverage. I think we will see some of those things stick, and and I'm sure some of your other uh, uh, guests have talked about this, but digital check-in, for example, keyless entry, using our phones to open our doors. In the hotel business, that's not really been broadly used. Technology has been available, uh, but compare the way we check into hotels with the way way we uh, check in for a flight. Uh, It's been a long time since I've carried a paper boarding pass, and uh, you know that if you got to go see a counter in an airport, you got a problem, right? Uh, And whenever somebody tells you to go see the counter, it's just like, oh, are you kidding? I don't want to go do that. In the hotel space, it's been different. It's been just, you know, oh, I don't know, less than 10%. Some hotels are maybe a little bit higher than that. Many hotels are quite a bit lower than that of uh, transient business that is interested in that. And it's, you know, I think in some respects, maybe the, the road warrior wants to see if they can get an upgrade at the front desk. Uh, maybe it just doesn't take all that much time. It's, a, it's a, a way back home, you know, in a way, right? It seems more personal. The wait at a front desk in a hotel is almost never as long as it would have been at an aer- airplane, uh, airport counter. Um, but I, I do think we will see more of this get adopted now because there's a safety reason to use that, that uh, key. And, um, and so I, I think that's one change. I think the second thing is we've got to look at is food and beverage and what aspects of this stick. Some of this depends on the virus, uh, but you think about buffets, for example. Uh, You think about big group meeting, uh, feeding protocols and that sort of thing. And those are spaces where, you know, I think we may see some changes that are a little bit longer lasting.
0: So let's, I think you're right, Arnie, but let's talk about some of the, you know, financial hardships that we're all facing, Hunter's facing everyone. Our business is off significantly, uh, as are our peers uh, and the like. Uh, I mean, corporate Marriott's revenues are off significantly. Right. Franchise community, which is a big part of- all of us, right? right? Marriott is off significantly. Yeah. Um, dare I ask, what is Marriott doing to help their franchisees get through these tough times?
1: I mean, the answer is everything we can, of course. Uh, the, the, of course. Uh, pr- from the beginning of this, we have really talked about uh, three communities that we are focused on. Uh, our associates. Of course, Marriott has said for a long time, you know, it starts with our associates. We can't get to our guests except through our associates. So take care of the associates and they'll take care of the guests and the guests will come back again and again. That's the 90-year-old phrase that's been around Marriott from from the beginning and and still very much animates us. Second, of course, is the hotel guest. Uh, And of course, everybody understands that we serve that guest. And the third is our owners and franchisees, uh, owners of hotels we manage, franchisees who tend to manage their own hotels. Sometimes a third party will manage them for them. Uh, but but uh, we all in the industry know that our owners and franchisees are our uh, customers. Uh, they are extraordinarily important customers to ours. The rest of the world has no clue about this. The rest of the world, I think, in many respects, assumes that every hotel that's got a Marriott flag on it is probably owned by Marriott. Uh, And of course, that's not the case. Now, there there are aspects of our relationships with owners and franchisees, which are um, pretty easy to solve, right? Our franchise fees are a percentage of room revenues. When room revenues disappear, our franchise fees disappear. Uh, it's, it you know, like night follows day. Uh, and so there's not, there's not much to do with respect to that other than share a shoulder to cry on, right? So we can cry on theirs and they can cry on ours. Uh, but there are some aspects of our, uh, we, you know, program and services fees or other, other uh, affiliation costs, which are per hotel or per room or somehow fixed, if you will. And we've done what we can to try and, uh, you know, not collect those during some periods of times. We waived a few months on it. Uh, We've done our best to to, uh, cut the expenses uh, so that all of those dollars can be reduced. Uh, You know, we we put 70% of our headquarters team on uh, reduced pay or no pay furlough, 70%. Uh, And we did that by the time we got to the end of March. Yeah. Uh, And and that is, uh, you know, again, unimaginable in any consequence, enormous, enormous pain uh, for uh, our team. But we had to basically say, uh, you've got to you've got to get control of these costs because the franchisees can't pay them. Right. They've got no revenue. Uh, and uh, so those, those are the kinds of steps that were taken. You know, I think as, as uh, demand has rebuilt a little bit, um, it has gotten a little bit better, uh, but nobody's well.
0: No. When do you anticipate bringing the Marriott employees' family back?
1: Well, we are, we are right now, this week, last week and this week, sort of pivoting. So we have rebuilt the organization. Uh, we are uh, bringing people back off furlough uh, to, to sort of regular pay. Our headcount is down uh, and uh, down meaningfully, not down 70%, but, but uh, we've had to cut uh, uh, more deeply than we ever have in the past. Uh, and uh, we're hopeful that um, we can now be looking forward Pandemic is obviously not over, uh, but uh, looking towards rebuilding demand and and um, uh, sort of thinking about the future.
0: I think it's good signs if you're, I agree, we got to look forward, we got to get back. But if you're bringing people back, because the other, the airlines are going the opposite, Disney's going the opposite, those right. guys are making more permanent cuts to shrink permanently rather than bringing people back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think to be fair, uh, what Disney and the airlines are doing is, uh, transitioning to a different place. The, the, the folks that they've had, I mean, I don't, Disney is a little bit harder for me to, to assess, but I suspect most of these folks have been on furlough. Uh, and Disney is now converting it to a more of a permanent uh, layoff, if you will, uh, because demand is still low. Uh, the airlines, of course, have carried folks by and large through government support uh, until the end of September. That, those benefits have run out. Uh, and, as a consequence, a lot of those jobs are being converted to uh, layoffs as well it 's not that they were all uh, working hard in in September because they didn 't have the volume they still don 't have the volume the volume they had in September by and large they 've still got in october so it's not it 's not that their fundamental business is deteriorating October versus September. It is that uh, you know with another month passing and maybe some Uh, government support that no longer is available. Uh, They're having to recognize that there will be longer lasting consequences to some of this than they anticipated.
0: Yeah, so you're connected to Washington. I'll ask, what are you hearing from Washington? What support? What's Marriott going to get? What what are the individuals going to get? What do you well hear? I mean at the moment it
1: doesn't look very it doesn't look very positive um, the uh, I'm on the phone with somebody on the hill or somebody in the administration uh, usually a few times a week um, often leadership on the hill I was uh, on with one of the most senior leaders in the house and the Senate last week uh, both um, two different parties uh, hearing the same thing from both which is they don't anticipate we're going to get another, uh, package uh, before the election. Uh, of course, we saw President Trump tweet uh, both things last night. He f- first seemed to say, discussions are over, I'm pulling my team. And then as the night went on, he seemed to, to say there's some things he was open open to doing. But it doesn't look very good. And, and of course, we don't want to go down the rabbit hole of politics. But uh, too much of our politics today is uh, uh, preventing the other side from accomplishing something that uh, is going to be good for them. Uh, and uh, so there is a strong self-interest in both parties uh, to <clears throat> avoid uh, compromise uh, and to avoid getting something done together. And I'm afraid we're all going to pay the price for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, I don't know, my silver lining is we've got good people in our industry. Marriott has incredible franchisee. The, the Marriott franchisee is very entrepreneurial spirit, very self-reliant. Uh, they're already out there on their own, you know, uh, doing what they have to do, rolling up their sleeves, uh, good conversations with their banks and their lenders. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be OK. They're getting to a break even from most of what I'm hearing right now,
1: yeah. although yeah.
0: they're all significantly in revenue and volume. Uh, yeah, they, they yeah. may be getting to a,
1: a break even from an operating cost perspective, but you, know, you still got debt service and you still got property taxes and you still got a number of things. And, and so you know, from a selfish industry uh, or franchisee perspective, you could say, we, you know, we need PPP uh, redone, we need Main Street Lending Program to have a, a better EBITDA ratio so that, that those funds are available to our franchisees. Uh, And uh, sadly, we'll probably get none of that. I think the other thing, and this is both relevant to our people and relevant to the economy writ large, is the cratering of the unemployment insurance uh, for the folks that uh, used to work with all of us, right, and who are now uh, without jobs is going to be devastating for many of them. Uh, and make it that much harder for them to come back and, uh, you know, sort of rebuild, our li- rebuild their lives, be good customers of ours, uh, and think about the long-term consequences of that across the macroeconomic environment. Uh, we need not only for the virus to get behind us, but we need for the economy to be as robust as it can, uh, because that is what historically drives demand, right? It's, it's, not, it's not a virus. It is a question of what kind of economic activity is out there, what kind of resources we have. And that hangover is likely to be uh, sticky for uh, probably a good number of years.
0: Which let me flow that into, that. if we're you know, working on demand on the existing assets, that flows into new development, right. which has been a big part of our industry, a big part of the economy, a big part of your business.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, how do you see development looking in the future?
1: Well, that's a good question. And you're, you're picking up a lot of this, I'm sure, uh, real time, just as our development team is. I mean, I, I think that the, the uh, franchise community uh, that you know well uh, is uh, diverse. Uh, it is uh, spread across the con- country in different kinds of markets, uh, different kinds of brands. Uh, some are obviously stronger than others, depending on location uh, today. Uh, some business models are uh, more robust and healthy today than than others, uh, and as a consequence, we still see a number of folks going forward with their projects. Uh, certainly, if they were already under construction, overwhelmingly those projects will get completed and will open. So we have continued to open hotels that uh, were started before. Um, I, you know, interestingly, we're also seeing some construction starts uh, and. Uh, those are the optimists among us, probably who have spent uh, already a number of quarters or maybe years getting these projects ready to build uh, and they 're looking through this crisis and and deciding you know what it 's going to come back, uh, and there may be some opportunity to build this for a bit less uh, in the teeth of the crisis than if I wait until Uh, All questions are sort of resolved uh, a year or two or three from now. Uh, But, uh, you know, we're going to watch this. And and obviously, the longer uh, demand stays down, uh, the more I think we'll see some of those projects be deferred. Our experience from prior crises is that most of them ultimately get built. It might take a year or two or even three years longer. Uh, but these are specific projects, specific locations uh, with, a, with a, um, what a proponent behind it. Uh, and uh, sooner or later, they'll probably get underway.
0: I think so. I think so. If we're hearing the same stuff, just we're hearing everything sort of paused and delayed. Yeah. Uh, we need the construction prices to come down a lot more for them to all make sense. And, yeah. and we can't get lending today, right? The debt on new construction is non-existent
1: yeah yeah what do you what have you seen so far in construction costs how much have they come down per- we, haven't seen a, we have
0: not seen a bunch uh, not I, I just think the pipeline is lagging i think yeah. the construction projects that were in development are still happening and they haven't seen the the drop off so yeah. we're starting to see a few companies uh come out that have realized their pipelines empty come out with uh, aggressive bids but not as a general mass yeah. so we need that construction cost to come down a lot more yeah. Yeah, and I and I think it will. It just, it just sort of has to. It'll right. lock it down, uh, and we need lending to come back.
1: Yeah, because
0: yeah, sure. listen, a standard Arnie, a standard. I don't know. Pick a courtyard that was doing sort of five and a half million of revenue uh, pre-COVID and and two million dollar NOI. Uh, yeah. You look at the NOI now; it's down to two and a half million on a trailing number, which is like a trailing August, which still yeah. has good pre-COVID numbers. The NOI went from two million to one point two. Yeah. But if you annualize that out, the NLI is really like 400000 yeah, which yeah. is a long way off from a $2 million. And you can't yeah. cover debt service with that. And what's the value of that going forward? And how quickly does that recover? And that's happening across everyone's portfolio. That's, that's, that's what we're starting to see right now, which is concerning.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, you know, one of the great things about the prior crises we've been through is uh, it has been proven that these assets hold their value. Uh, and uh, you know, if you go back to that first crisis, that first Gulf War I referred to before, uh, that's, not fa- that's not far from the, the savings and loan thrift uh, debacle of the late 80s and into 1990, basically. And their stuff was selling pennies on the dollar. Well, then you get into 2001, you get into the Great Recession, and the discounts get to be less and less and less because people have realized, I don't need to sell at pennies on the dollar, the, the value of this asset is going to come back. Instead, what I got to do is figure out how do I get from here to there so that uh, I can benefit from the, the uh, uh, more normal market, if you will, when we get to the other side. Uh, and, and so I, you know, I think there's every reason to believe we'll come out of this Uh, we can have more confidence about coming out of this with each crisis we've survived uh, because history tells us that these assets retain value. Uh,
0: I think that's really well said. Uh, And listen, the good news is we were really strong as an economy and as an industry coming into this. So our, our franchisees and the rest of the economy, there's a ton of capital out there. And good news is it's, it's very focused on the hospitality industry at the moment. Now the bad news is they think it's, because that's where the most pain is. And they think that there's huge discounts and that they can buy assets for 50 cents on the dollar. Uh, and that's just not there. The sellers aren't there because the pain's not there. And the no. sellers are like, I'm not, I'm not giving it away for that. So we still have that big discount. Sellers are at 10%, buyers are at 40%. We've been there for a long time, we're still there. Yeah. Yeah. But we're seeing deals get done in that 20% discount range. And a big yeah. piece of that is as much capital, when you have all the capital chasing deals, you're not gonna get heavy discounts. Right, right. So the discounts will come if the world gets significantly worse, which hopefully it won't. And if the discounts are only 10%, that means the world got better very quickly. Right. We would all be happy with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, well. and, and you know, that's that, uh, these deals that are getting done, you, you know, this better than I do, but there there's often something that's forcing that transaction to happen. Right. Yeah. They, they, they weren't structured right going into this crisis. And as a consequence, they are they're broken, uh, and uh, it's not simple to survive from here to the recovery time. Uh, and of course, the recovery time is going to be a, a period of depressed depressed returns. So there should be some consequence of those depressed returns to the valuation of the asset. It's just a question of you know is it ten or is it forty, uh, and uh, I tend to think that unless the deal is fundamentally broken it's gonna be something more like 10 than 40 for the overwhelming majority of the assets.
0: So it's interesting, and I'll ask you about recovery to finish, but it's interesting what we're seeing right now out there on the transaction side is really the note sales. So the right. banks that don't want to own them anymore, they're the ones that are really nervous. So they're selling the loan pools at yeah. a discount. And, which is tricky, that's not getting assets, that's getting loan pools. Right. That's what we're gonna watch right now. How's that gonna shake itself out? Uh, yeah. Yeah. but that's, that's where most of the activity is today.
1: Yeah. yeah. And of course that, that, uh, causes lenders with maybe a different point of view to enter the, the, uh, loan position, uh, and, uh, they, some of the may well be buying so that they can't own. Right. And so they're going to, they're going to use their leverage in a way which is different from a traditional lender.
0: Uh, Arnie did leave me with some words of encouragement, some positive vibes some uh human spirit kind of stuff
1: well us. i mean I, I think the the uh human nature has already proven its resiliency uh, to us this year uh and uh, that came through loud and clear to me again as a reminder in july uh the virus numbers popped in the first part of july notwithstanding that uh by and large occupancy improved every week during the month of july every week during the month of august uh, and what People are showing to us is something that we've known. We've seen it in natural disasters. We've seen it in other tough times. Uh, they're going to, they're going they're resilient. They're going to get up and they're going to do what they do. Uh, and, and I think that's going to continue. I think the second thing we can know for a certainty is the virus will ultimately get behind us. In all likelihood, it'll get behind us sometime in 2021. We don't know that for certainty, the timing, precise timing. Uh, But the likelihood is it will be behind us. And when it gets behind us, there will be a step function up. It won't necessarily take us in one fell swoop back to 2019 levels, but it'll take us a long way towards 2019 levels. And then we'll build from there as the economy builds uh, and as group business rebuilds. And uh, we can have a very high level of confidence that we're going to get back to a place which is similar to where we were before the pandemic hit. Uh, people love to travel people love to work in this industry people love to invest in this industry Uh, and there's every reason to be uh, believe that we're going to be back and celebrating what we like to celebrate so much
0: Uh, great words and and great people in our industry as you and I know and and you're one of them you're a fearless leader please uh, stay healthy stay strong keep fighting the fight for all of us uh, because we need you out there
1: thanks Teague very much it's great to see you
0: Arnie, great to see you too. I hope I get to see you in March, uh, even if it's virtually. I'll take me that. Me too.
1: Yeah, let's 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 try and make, let's try and do it in person. Okay.
0: I agree. All, All right, right, Arnie. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you.